Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. Hey guys, quick heads up before you start this episode. It is another episode about the MLM pure romance. So we do talk about some adult themes and it is definitely not for anybody who is sensitive to that or anybody who is under the age of 18. Please use your best discretion in deciding whether or not this episode is right for you. And if it is, enjoy. to another episode of Life After MLM. Today, um, I'm really excited about this one. I know I say that every time, but I am really excited about this. I get so many emails about the episode that we did on Pure Romance entitled Ruth. So many Pure Romance consultants uh, reach out to me and ask me about the episode. Um, They agree. They say, wow, that was my experience as well. And so when I got this email, I really, really, really wanted to talk to this person on the podcast. We are going to introduce the show, Michelle, and I will let you introduce yourself and we can talk about what you did and how you got there. And I'm going to let you take it away. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I'm very excited about this too. I was with Pure Romance for nearly 19 years. So I was in it deep and I had... Um, a very large team. It it grew to over 500 people. And it was just something I just felt like it coursed through my veins. And I think a lot of consultants feel that way, where they eat it, live it, breathe it. I mean, they are pure romance, like all the way. And I think part of what happens is that People are so misled and they don't even know it. They just, they don't know it until they start looking at real hard numbers. And the thing is the way that they do their business is it's really hard to even know exactly how much money you're making. It's, it's really, it's really difficult because it's, I I think you call it like front, front loading or something. So it's like where you as the consultant, you purchase items from the company and then you get it in you do your parties your shows whatever you want to call them and then you sell from your inventory that you purchase if someone wants something that you don't have on hand then you simply call it a back order and then you you go home you order that item from from the warehouse then that item gets shipped to you then you as the consultant have to ship it out to your customer. So I think a lot of times people don't realize how much that shipping eats into your profit. And aside from that, I don't know if anyone has even touched on this piece, but one thing they don't tell you is like the hostess credits, that comes out of your profit. The hostess gifts, that comes out of the consultant's pocket. So when you have, when you purchase your kit, which uh, I just looked lately to see, because they'll change, like the percentages, they'll change it. 
So like right now, it looks like they have a kit that you can get started with the 30% discount. They have one that like the medium kit is like a 40% discount. And then their largest kit gets you a 45% discount. So a 45% sounds like, oh my God, this is great because everybody else only gives you 25. But what they're not saying is all those extra expenses. And I believe Ruth touched on some of that. But I mean, like I said, so when you have, for example, if you have a thousand dollar party and the, wow. shipping, the minimum of shipping, like if you got one item that was $20, it would, the minimum I've ever seen shipping was $19 to get from the corporate to you. And then you as the consultant has to turn around and ship it out to the customer. So you got shipping both ways. There is, there's, there are so many fees. You're saying that the hostess gift comes off the consultant, which I'm listening. And I'm just like, what? And then I think back to LuLaRoe and absolutely. And yeah, it came right off of mine. I had to pay all of that. And that was a total loss for me, but you know, they say it offsets the cost because the party is so successful. You're going to make so much money in the party, but you're not thinking, Hey, wait, I bought all of this already. So I'm not, it's not a total gross. Like I'm already out all this money. Like I'm just recouping my losses at this point. I'm not actually making anything. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And then the other thing is when you have that thousand dollar party, you are not giving the minimum. Because you want that hostess to come back and book another show with you. And not only that, you're trying to get her guest to book a show from you. So the more you pamper and like just really just get, flood her with gifts, the chances that she's going to, oh, yes, you need to get a, you need to book a show with this person because she really makes it worth your while. You know, so you're not giving just the minimum. For a thousand dollar show, I would typically typically give two hundred dollars in in hostess credits, and her gift was probably at least worth seventy five, if not a hundred dollars, because I want her to come back to me. There were a lot of consultants in my area, and I mean we were saturated. They're they're still saturated. It's it's so interesting because you know the products that you guys sell the majority of them are not something that you consume. And so you wouldn't have to continuously buy them, but the products, are, are they just coming out and just ever changing in new colors and new styles and new technologies that it's like, you have to buy another toy this month. Bingo. Yes. Uh, and that was, it was great for, um, you know, for as a selling point, you know, because you can always tell your people that, Oh my God, we just launched this new, series, you know, because they always called them, you know, a, a, they, a different name, like the Calypso series or, you know, or whatever it was, you know, because that's what they, that's what they wanted to do. And then they would come out with a new launch, which means you could get in, you know, the consultants would get, you know, like, oh, we have this great discounted packet for you. So you can get your demos at a bigger discount. So there was that, then you had to get new catalogs and you had to get new order forms. You had to get like, everything was constantly changing. And then I have to say their packaging, and I believe Ruth had mentioned this, where their packaging went from, you know, being mediocre to going 
really beautiful. However, with that beautiful package, you know, you have an item that's like, you know, like an egg or something, and it's in this big, huge box, beautifully packaged, but on the consultant, now you have such a, you've got bigger packaging now that you have to deal with. So not only does it take up room in your inventory, wherever you're putting your inventory, and you have to carry all that stuff in and out. If you have to backorder that and you have to send it, it's such a pain because now it's going to cost more to send it. Why wouldn't the company just directly send it to the person that you're buying it for and well, cut out the middleman of shipping? You could, but they'll reduce your discount. So if you say, for example, if you were at that 45% discount, if they had to do, I think they called it like web drop or, or something like that, or a direct, direct drop or direct ship, or I'm not sure what term they use, it would reduce your 45% down to at least 40 and that web order had to be over $40 I think it was in order for you to even get that 40. So they just create a bunch of ridiculous parameters to avoid having to do that and just sending it to you because it's easier for them and you're the true end consumer anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're they're a warehouse is what it was like they 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 just used us as we were we were the ones doing like all the work they they did have a very hard working warehouse nothing against the people that work in the warehouse because i know that they work their butts off but it was like you said it if they could have drop shipped it you know like they can fill a customer's order just as easily as they can fill a consultant's order well let's go back to the beginning and tell me how you got even involved with pure romance? It's actually a, probably a very common story, actually. Um, I was married for a long time and had a beautiful home, like the home of my dreams. And we ended up getting a divorce. And in the divorce, I, you know, he, he signed the house over to me, which was great. But then I was responsible for all the bills. And I had a full-time job, but it wasn't enough to offset of all the bills that I was now responsible with. Plus having a 14 year old son was, I mean, anybody that has a 14 year old knows that they eat you out of house and home. So just to keep food in the house was pricey. And he was also, he was very athletic. So he was into all the sports, you know, football, hockey, track, cross country, everything needed a different type of shoe that were $150 each, you know, and they would go through, I don't know, maybe he, he would go through at least two pair each season. So, I mean, it was really expensive. Plus when he got to a certain age, then, you know, he wanted to drive. So it's like, how am I going to get him a car? So it was just, it was getting really, really expensive to have a teenager. And I'm actually a super shy person. But when a friend of mine hosted a show, one of the Pure Romance Party, I heard, I wasn't able to go, but I heard how much the consultant made. And I just went, what? Like, are you, like, if I could make that kind of money 
in a night at one party, I'll suck up my shyness and I'll do it. So I, this is, this might sound uh, arrogant or something, but I promise I'm not arrogant, but I was a type of consultant that every person wanted to recruit because when I put my mind to it, I go full force. And I was at the point where I needed this money in order to support myself and to support a 14 year old boy. So when I heard that this person made $2,200 in three hours, I'm like, I need to know more. So I reached out to that consultant and set up a time. I met up with her figured out what I wanted to do. I took the last, honest to goodness, the last little bit that I, I divided it up on three different credit cards and I bought the biggest kit that I could. And at that time, that was $1,000. From then on, I just went full force. I read all the materials. I looked at all of the videos. I read as much as possible because I'm like, I have to make this money back because I have nothing left. So it was like doing the all in thing. And I never looked back because I just kept going forward and I started to sell immediately. I even put the stuff in the trunk of my car. So when I went to my day job, if someone called me and said, oh, I heard you're doing this and I heard you're doing that, what do you have? And I'm like, come meet me at lunchtime in the parking lot of wherever and I'll show you what I have. And I was selling out of the trunk. Of, wow, that's incredible. Like you seriously went all in from day one. From day one, yep. And then I started recruiting right away because I was looking at the materials and I noticed like the bonuses and this and the that, and I could increase my discount and stuff if I recruited. So I started recruiting right away. Like I was like on fire. So I recruited a lot. Did you find it easy to recruit people into this company? I did, because I think a lot of people could relate to me because, you know, of course you always start with your friends and your family, my, not so much my family because my family is a very conservative family. And, uh, but with my friends, because I am, I'm like super shy, very shy. And I know a lot of people are, they're like, you like, no way. But because they knew how shy I was and then they could see what I was able to do, they're like, wow, if you can do it, I can do it. So they're just like, here's here. Like a lot of times they would just give me their credit card number and say, can you just order it for me? Wow. It's just like complete blind faith. She's like, I trust you so much. Here's my credit card number. Just do what you think is best. He did. And, and I think it happens all the time. Wow. So it, how long did it take you uh, to grow? And at what rank did you hit in, in this pure romance pyramid? How, how far up did you get? Uh, well, I went to, I, I was in the board of directors for many, many years. Uh, I, I believe they do still have that is, uh, I, I was in it for almost 19 years. So like I said, I was, I was full force. I was in it. I lived it, breathed it, drank it. It, it was, it was in the blood. Right. And I honestly, I, 
you could tell me that they were a pyramid scheme, I wouldn't believe you. You could tell me uh, they were the worst company ever, I would not believe you. I would be like, no, 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 you don't understand. You have no idea. Like I wouldn't have had this, this, and this if it wasn't for this company. I do have to say, I gone. I have been on some phenomenal trips, all on their dime. You know, I do have to say, when you win a trip with them, they pay for it all. Like, and and it's very nice accommodations. It's usually four or five star accommodations, and they have. I mean, it's. It's fabulous to win prizes with the company that you're with, you know, as long as it is legit winning it, right? Um, and I, they used to have um, like these points that you would earn and then you would like turn in the points and kind of like, uh, you know, you would go shopping and stuff with the points. Uh, it, you know, and I've gotten some very nice luxury items and things that were from the company but it just when you think about purely the the money that i thought i was making it wasn't until i met my now husband um at that i i he was like well you know just because this is saying that you make x amount of money because he's a financial genius by the way <laughs> So I trust everything that that he says, and he he gave it to me in black and white. Let's just break it down. So if you had a party that was this amount in sales, and then you minus this, and then you minus that, and then I was looking at what I was left with, and I'm like, oh my God, like, it's not what I thought it was. Because I had two separate bank accounts too. Like I had one that was strictly for my business, and I had one that was my daytime job. I was at the point where I didn't work a day job. Like I only did pyromance for a very long time. But during those years, I was in financial ruin. Wow. Jeez. It's really is this like fake it to make it like even especially at the top, fake it to make it. Oh yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because there are so many people like, like I hit, like I said, I was the top of like a large downline. I had over 500 people in my team. And one of the things is like the, the ugly part of recruiting or the ugly part of being at the top of, of that downline is that everybody thought that, you know, the top was making these huge, ginormous, oh, they call them overrides like your bonus checks, they call them overrides. But everyone was under the impression that you were making money off me, okay? But what they don't understand is at the top, we had big minimums to meet, all right? So if, and they were personal sales, they were group sales, and they were recruiting goals. So if you didn't personally make your personal sales, which I mean, $4,000 a month is a minimum in personal sales. Your group sales, they were like, uh, I don't know. Let me look here. I have, my, <laughs> I have my last little thing here. I wanna say that the group, your group sales at a minimum 
was like 5,000. But at the level that I was at, my group had to do $60,000 a month. Wow. And I had to recruit and qualify because just recruiting doesn't mean that they're qualified. You know, you have that little kicker, right? You have to do another X amount or you have to, those people have to buy the bigger kits. Two people every single month. So if I, if I only recruited one person, I wouldn't get that override. I wouldn't get any of it. Not just a small portion. I wouldn't get any of it. Or if my group didn't hit 60,000, I wouldn't get the override. Or if my sales weren't 4,000, I wouldn't get my override. And as a leader, if you don't, if you don't earn your override in four months in a row, so if you miss any of those four months in a row, you forfeit your entire downline. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's not very owning your own business of them. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Well, so, you, you know, so you've got to, you've got to hit these numbers, right? So what happens if you don't hit your personal sales goal? Are you at the end of the month making basically falsified sales and buying stuff you don't really need to hit those goals? hundred percent. Most of the time, that's what most consultants will do. Not all of them. Some of them genuinely have those sales, but I would say the majority, and, and again, I don't know because I don't know how other people run their business. I know for me, most of the time I would fall short of that minimum. So I was buying into getting inventory to hit that number. So that's how I ended up accumulating, I don't know, it was probably $40,000 worth of inventory. And the hard thing, and, and that's probably nothing compared to some people. You know, some people oh, yeah. way more than that. But, you know, the, the hard thing on businesses that, do, that make you do that, like the where you have to purchase things ahead of time and have the inventory on hand, you don't know what people are going to buy. You have no idea. So it's like you you might be buying, you know, several cases of a whatchamacallit and never sell one. And then you're stuck with it. It's like, what, what are you supposed to do with it? And yeah, you just store it in your garage like everybody else, right? Yeah, mine's in the basement. I've, I've st I still have, it's, it's been, I've been out for like three years and I probably still have, actually, I can tell you the exact number. I have a little over $6,000 of inventory still left. And is that wholesale or retail cost? That is re retail cost. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, it's, that's a lot better than what you said 40 originally, right? <laughs> it's a lot better than 40, but wow. I knew that I was going to be getting out of it. And so, you know, of course, as a pure romance consultant, like if you, if you want to discount things, uh, like sell a $50 item for $40 or even $30, you can do it. I mean, you're going to take the loss you know, but you can do it just to get rid of it. So a lot of us, you know, they'll do flash sales or they will just do like a blowout sale or whatever, you know, and I would do a big, before COVID, I would do like a big Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day thing, uh, usually like around the end of January or something. 
because that was our biggest season. So I knew that I could really push a lot of stuff out. So I would have open houses here at my place and, you know, and I would get rid of a lot of stuff, but you know, you still have things sitting around and it's like, what are you going to do with this stuff? Wow. Yeah. Well, I still have trash bags full of Uluru. So my next question for you is what was the straw that made you decide that you were done with pure romance? Well, I think part of it was because they were also constantly changing the compensation plan. That was there for a while, every single year they were changing it. And it was just like, what, what is it going to be this year? My last year was when they started big, big numbers, the minimums, and then the recruiting and the qualifying of multiple people in order to get anything below, well, really any, any kind of override. And then you had more that you had to recruit. Uh, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I may not be remembering it exactly. So I'm sure that we'll get someone that will comment if I'm wrong, but, um, like you had to recruit X amount of people in order to get anything on your third and your fourth line, because they only went down four lines to that. That was the maximum that you could get was four lines. So you could, if you did like the, the group the personal sales and the group sales, you would get your first and your second line. And then you had to recruit X amount of people in order to get anything off your third and your fourth. And those, of course, in a pyramid, your third and your fourth, those are your bigger numbers. You know, that's where the majority of your people were. So if you weren't recruiting to people, recruiting and qualifying to people every single month, you were keeping a lot of money out there. So what ended up happening is that leaders were purchasing people's kits for them because they wanted to get their third and their fourth override. So you had some people, and I'm, they'll deny it. <laughs> they'll deny it because you're not supposed to purchase other, other uh, people's, uh, you know, kits for them, unless, you know, you could raffle off a free kit. You could do that, or you could gift a free kit to somebody you could do that but I heard it straight I was I was part of a very small group that hung out frequently with Patty and Chris themselves so I heard it straight from Chris's mouth if you want to buy their kits for them go ahead and buy it I don't care anymore Patty's the owner she's the founder and Chris, it's her son. And I believe that was, that was mentioned in Ruth. And yes. Like the whole creepy male CEO of like, yes. Okay. I remember this. <laughs> Girl, it gets creepier. <laughs> it's cre- but you know, we, we didn't look at Chris as it being creepy. Some they're like, they have a really, really good banter some of the conversations that they would do up on stage at conference and at training and stuff, some of that went a little bit too far. Um, but I, I, and I honestly, I don't know if that is, it, if it was staged that way or if it was just all in fun and just kind of like joking stuff. It did have us laughing. Um, but 
I mean, he would say, he would have like in trainings, he would say one thing, but if you knew him on a more personal level and was with him in a social setting, it was a little bit different of a message that he was giving some of us. And I had, (laughs) it was like the professional message. And then the, like, because we're pals message. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it might be different now. Like it might be very common knowledge that a lot of people are, are buying other, other kits and stuff just because they, leaders have to get those two people buying their kits and qualified in order for them to get the bulk of their override. So you, you just kind of, it's a dollar's I mean, it's, it's just a numbers game, really, when you think about it, because it's like, well, it's only going to cost me, you know, $600 to, re- to buy their kits and get them qualified, and that's going to allow me to get $6,000. So would you give up $600 to get $6,000? Yeah. Yeah, you would. Well, most of them did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hear that across the board in MLM, like, buying what was missing from my bonus was cheaper than missing my bonus. So I just bought it to get the bonus. Right. So when you have that type of ethics going on where, you know, you have people in order to hit their numbers, they're just, they're buying so much stuff and I'm included. I had to buy so much stuff. It's like, all right, I'm running out of room. I'm like, what, what am I going to do with all of this stuff? They're putting these, they're making the minimums bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like, I mean, when is it going to stop? So I just, uh, and then I just started really doing a deep dive into my financials to see like, is it worth me continuing? Like I was making very large override checks. However, you got to remember, yeah. It was a really nice direct deposit, but then when you start to take out the expenses that was involved in it, it, it wasn't as impressive. Right. Yeah. I, I, again, I hear that all the time. And it seems like each reincarnation of this compensation plan just made it slightly harder and harder and harder, which in turn makes the consultants buy more mm-hmm. from Pure Romance. Hundred percent. Yep. And they always uh, they they loved to use the slogan, "Work smarter, not harder." But it was like, but what they were telling us in our every time the comp plan changed, it was just the opposite. You had to work harder. Like when I got started, it was, you know, work part time for the full time money. Like it's it's like, you know word vomit from every MLM. They, they use the same terminology everywhere, but it's, it got to the point with, with pure romance, you had to do it as a full-time job to pay your bills. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of questions that people often ask about or comment sometimes in the comment section is pure romance and slumber parties. And I know we did talk about that a little bit on Ruth's episode, but you said you had more information, and so I'd love to hear it. So back in the day, slumber, we were all slumber parties. It was all one company. So we had two, it was basically co-founded, right? So there was Patty Brisbane, who had 
Warehouse A, I think they called them Warehouse A and Warehouse B or whatever it was, but Patty was out of the Midwest. She is in Cincinnati, Ohio. So she had like Warehouse A. And then Kim, I don't remember her last name, but Kim had Warehouse B and, or vice versa, whichever. Um, but her warehouse was in New Orleans. So, but they were, they were in business together. They were part business partners. They ended up having some differences of opinions. I don't know what they were. From what I understand, it was how they wanted to grow the business. Uh, where all of the products at that time were, uh, they, they were not privately labeled. Like they didn't have Slumber Party's name on it. Like it was, you know, an item that they were, getting from like Doc Johnson or wherever, like it was just, you know, it was, we were distributing it for the manufacturer. So we were getting them from California Exotics, whatever it was, it was, and then the packaging had that label on it, like that name on it. So we knew who the manufacturers were. So Patty wanted to get into changing that. Like she wanted to private label things and have the slumber party's name on it. And then she wanted to, she just had a different vision for the future of the company. And Kim wanted to, from, this is from what I understand, whether it's true or not, I don't know. I'm just saying this is how I understand it. Kim did not want to make some of those changes or she didn't want to um, either invest X amount of monies back into what, I, I don't know what the issue was, but there was some kind of an issue that it got bad enough that they ended up splitting and they decided we're going our own ways. And then there was a big legal battle battle over who was going to keep the name Slumber Parties. And it was getting very costly legal battle. So Patty just decided, you know what, Kim, you can go ahead and keep Slumber Parties. I'm going to create a whole new entity, a whole new business. And that's how Pure Romance was born. So they were one, they ended up splitting. And then it got to the point that Pure Romance was, was the leader and, and is really still considered the leader in this type of a party plan. So they, they bought out, um, there was another one that was on the West Coast. I can't, a Passion Parties. Passion Parties. Was passion on. Parties, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Uh, I lived in California. I actually moved to California for a while to open up the West Coast business. So I moved, I, I lived out there. I was in NorCal. Uh, and I was a trainer for all over the place. So I was in Temecula and San Diego and Dallas and all of that stuff. So wow. we purchased passion parties. And then we also, there was a lingerie company. I think it started with a P as well. If I'm not, I can't remember what it was called, but we, we, we um, acquired them. And then Kim went something was struggling with slumber parties so she contacted Chris and Patty and so Chris you know of course they they jumped at it and they they acquired them too so then they became one company again oh wow it's like they formed they had a big huge fight they broke up one got humongous and sort of absorbed everything and then ended up absorbing them too. Wow. Yeah. It was a nasty, bitter fight between the two women. 
It sounds super nasty and bitter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, I, I don't want to go into the things that I heard, but there was some really bad things that I heard. I wasn't there firsthand, so I can't say that it was true or not, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Yeah. So like when you hear, when I heard on Ruth's episode, when she was saying how they were taught to hate pure romance, there was a reason for that. There, yeah. there, wow. there was a really big beef between Kim and Patty. A lot of, you know, both ways. I'm, I'm thinking it was probably both ways, but. So did you start with slumber parties and then go with pure romance? Exactly. Okay. So when, I, when I signed my contract, it was actually slumber parties, but I want to say it was like within a matter of days was when I got the word that it was like, oh, well, it's actually our name has changed to pure romance. I, I didn't care at that point. Like I was, I'm fine, you know, like whatever, <laughs> you know, I was just like, I just need the money because I, I became a consultant because strictly for money. Everyone has their own reason for joining an MLM. Mine was mine was purely money. I honestly think that everybody's reason boils down to money. Why else would you join this crazy circus? <laughs> it's so funny that you said that because the very first convention that I went to was circus themed. <laughs> of course it was. I feel like MLMs leave so many Easter eggs for people to find after they leave. Like the LuLaRoe logo is literally the bird's eye of a pyramid. Like if you were to like turn it into a 3D object, it's a pyramid. And there's so many like um, mascara, the, the makeup company before they became Saint, the mascara makeup tins had pyramids on them. I'm not even joking. Like there were little pyramids on them. And like LuLaRoe's necklaces are triangles. And like, I see triangles in so many MLMs and I'm just like, you guys, like, they're fucking with us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. You know, there, there, there were so many, I, you know, it, it's, where do I even start? You know, I mean, I've not started, you know, it's obviously, but, but there were so many things, like, a lot of us leaders, we were told to be like watchdogs. Right. So it's like you had it, you, you were, you were spies online because you wanted to see this person and see this for making sure that they weren't, uh, you know, going against policy or anything. And then of course you, we were also like watchdogs at the events, right? Because let me tell you, I, I saw some really bad stuff happen at some of our events and, uh, you know, I was also involved in something that was actually that was really the start of the unravel for me was what happened to me at at one of the leadership events it was <laughs> the the whole like spying on people that's a cult tactic like it's straight out of the bite model it's in there spying on others it's ridiculous you know because well, here, here's the thing is with pure romance, we're dealing with a topic that some people find offensive or they find it, um, you know, or uh, they, they Shameful may fall or embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like they looked at a, 
some people will look at a pure romance consultant even nowadays in 2021 they will look at them as like you're selling sex and it's like no that's not what we do at all and so there's a, a big stigma with a lot of pure romance consultants because of that um, stereotype so what happened is you know we had to make sure that during some of our events and stuff that people weren't being jerks <laughs> so when you get thousands of women together in a pure romance conference and i've only ever been to pure romance conferences so i can't speak with other mlms but there's a lot of drinking there's a lot of dancing there's a lot of whooping it up and i mean it's just sometimes they get a little uh, you know, they're blown off steam, they're having some fun, but there are also times that I've witnessed some really inappropriate behavior. I guess we can say it that way. I was, uh, you know, in, in our leadership, in our board, actually this was a board of directors trip, but they would pair up the board of directors people, like they would pair them up and make them roommates. And my roommate on this particular trip brought back men to our hotel room. She was married with children, by the way, and was a Bible thumping Christian. But she would bring men back to our hotel room. And I mean, I'm like, you can't like, he has to leave. Like you can, I'm not staying here. Like you cannot have this guy, total stranger total strangers she would bring back and they would be having sex in the hotel room. And I, my bed was like, and they would go in the bathroom or something. And I'm just like, I can still hear you. Like my mouth is just hanging open. Like, I don't even know what to say. There's nothing to say. It's just, and it wasn't just this person. I know of many instances that that has happened, but I do remember very specifically the next day I called my now husband. I called him and I'm like, I, I don't think I can stay here. Like I may need to come home early because that was putting, not only was she in danger because she was bringing back complete strangers, it was putting to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester, and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. 
not to mention using recycled claim standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton doll scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. Because I don't know who these people are. She didn't know who they were. She completely drunk. I mean, where she couldn't, she was slurring. I know she could not have known. Like she wasn't sober. I know that for a fact. I wish I could say that this is exclusive to pure romance, but I saw and heard and have confirmed with all kinds of people that even in LuLaRoe, there were things happening behind the scenes with home office, all kinds of stuff happening inside inside the cult this was all happening I'll just say yes yeah so I mean that's two out of 350 I wonder how many more people could say oh yeah I knew about stuff happening too I mean they're hotbeds they're just hotbeds you get into these companies you get brainwashed you get told all these platitudinous buzzwords and cliches where you're just like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. You guys got me and nobody else does. And you're completely fully indoctrinated. And then you start to make really bad decisions or decisions that you would never make if you were fully present. Oh my God. You took the words out of my mouth. A lot of the paramedics consultants, they're, they're brainwashed. They're absolutely brainwashed, you know, so not only are they really misled on the amount of money that they can be making, because they're not told about some of the expenses that have to come out of their pocket, but they're being told that they are sex educators or they are health educators and they throw out statistics and that no one facts checks, by the way, if Chris says it, it's gotta be true. You know, I really liked Chris, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, he is like one of the best hype men I have ever witnessed. 10 minutes listening to him and you're just like, yes, he's really, really good at it. Really good at it. 
those really powerful, charismatic, narcissistic personality types do so well on stage in MLMs. Yeah, yeah. But anybody that has, you know, 500 bucks, not even 500 bucks, if you get the right person that has to get, has to buy the kit, someone will actually buy a kit for you. And you are all of a sudden you're a sex educator or a health educator, and you really don't have the knowledge. Calling like people calling themselves an educator. I get it. I call myself an anti MLM educator. Uh, I didn't buy a $99 kit to do this. Uh, I got raked through the coals and learned the hard way. Uh, and have been doing this for four years. And even when I use the term educator, I'm kind of like, am I an educator though? So like for people to think that they could just, you know, go to a party at their friend's house and like, just have like a really good time and like, just have so much fun that I can just buy this kit for $99. And now I'm also an expert in this when literally all you needed to, to join was $99, a social security number and eager, willing fingers to type in the information. It's, it, it, it is crazy. And, and I suppose in some way, some people, they are educators, you know, as long as you are expanding your knowledge into things, but there, there are people that in nearly 19 years, I have heard and seen just about everything. And it, you know, what people do behind their closed doors is really none of my business, right? But boy, they were very happy to tell me everything. And in some cases, they wanted to show me. And I can't tell you some of the things that have happened at a pure romance party would blow your mind because it, oh my gosh. It, I, I mean, it's, it, there, there were at some point I was like, are they serious or are they trying to just see if I would react? Because some people will do that, you know, and I'm, I'm like, but so me being a professional, right. They can tell me some really off the wall, like whether it's a fetish or the beatings or pass out basically. And that gets them off where, I mean, some dangerous type things. And it's like, are they, you know, are they, is this really happening to them? Are they asking me for help? Which I would always ask, right? Like, are you, are you telling me these things because you need help finding a way out? Do you need, you know, that type of thing? Or, or they're telling me about, you know, oh, you know, my boyfriend likes to vomit on me or whatever, you know, like just really like, I know it's just, I'm telling you, seen it, heard it, all of it. I feel like sometimes maybe it's like we were saying earlier about the whole shame factor, right? And like being embarrassed. But a lot of times once that quote unquote shame or embarrassment is lifted and it's no longer a shameful or embarrassment feeling, um, people are just very open. And as a hairstylist, I've experienced that too, where I'm sitting there doing people's hair and they just tell me things and I'm like, oh, wow, we're going to talk about this today. Okay. So I could, I could assume that in that situation, going to a pure romance party and feeling already maybe shy or embarrassed and then playing like an icebreaker game and having that sort of embarrassment taken away and then meeting with you one-on-one in the back to talk about products and things and then then being like okay well I'm not embarrassed anymore I'm going to tell you everything I can imagine the things that you have heard and seen and wondered about 
Oh yeah. You know? They, some, some women would absolutely just lay it all on the line. Some of them would just get completely naked. Some of them have asked me to use the toys on them. Some of them have wanted to use the toys on me. So it's just like, there. It, it is. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So there's like, not only is there just the, the normal Sally that's like, I don't know, this is my first time. There's also the, you know, like kind of the closet kingsters that are like, Hey, now that we're talking about this, this is what I'm into. Again, here's disclaimer, totally fine. We don't judge here. Uh, and then third, you, you've got a whole other kind of person. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree. Like, I don't judge anyone. But, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been hit on. I can't tell you how many propositions I have been given to, you know, hey, can you stay a little bit later after you get everything packed up? Can you be with me and my husband? You know, I mean, wow, those are some lines and some boundaries that y'all out there should not be crossing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, was this anything that pure romance or anyone in pure romance told you, Hey, these might be things that happen to you while on the job. No, there, there was no, there was, there was no preparation. There was no like, Hey, if this happens to you, Hey, you know, there's none of that, at least not for me. I don't, I can't speak, you know, over the past few years, I don't know if they have added anything like that, but I know that for, for me, there was not, it was something that I, you know, and you don't know how to really respond to that because you don't, you don't want to upset them. You don't want to offend them because you don't know this, these people, that well so you have no idea if something's gonna set them off you know uh so it's just so I usually would just go oh that's so sweet I really can't I'm you know I'm supposed to my husband's expecting me at blah 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 I already texted them that I'm on my way you know I mean (laughs) and I always always would make sure that you know uh somebody knew where I was going to be. And, you know, like I would always say, this is, this is my hostess. This is their phone number. This is the address where I'm going to be. Cause there has been times that, you know, I, I go to somewhere I'm knocking on the door. Cause you are going to a complete stranger's house. Most of the time, you don't know these people with would, a bag full of sex toys. Right. right. I'm knocking on the door and nobody's there. Or some large bulky man answers the door and it's you know it's supposed to be women only so it's like a lot of times you know the husband is there like they wait for the very very last minute to take the kids out the door or something and that's that's cool but at the same time like tell me that like as the hostess just you know hey my husband's probably gonna answer he'll he'll be here but he will be leaving as soon as soon as the kids are ready you know that type of stuff so I'm aware so you know I did get to the point where that was part of my routine like I would always text or call my hostess hey just want to let you know I'm on my way over do you have a spot close to your door for me to park is there anyone that's going to be home when I get there you know that type of stuff so I mean that ended up being part of my routine the fact that you even have to do that at all is just absurd. Yeah. I mean, what, what, do, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, wow. um, 
one of the craziest things that I, that started happening. Um, uh, I, I can't even give a, a time frame because I really don't remember when it started happening. Is that some of the consultants started? I don't know. Maybe you have seen them, but like those big, like vans, like the Ford Transit, like the the cargo type vans and stuff. So they would buy like these fifty thousand dollar vans. Then they would go gut it and get it customized on the inside. And then, you know, to kind of make it like their mobile boutique and stuff. And then they would get like the whole outside is ramps wrapped, you know, like pure romance by blah, 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 blah. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought we were supposed to be a discreet company. <laughs> right? They're like, I'm just driving down Main Street, like honk, honk, anybody need anything? They were getting big business. Right, because it, it is very obvious. It was it was like a, um, you know, it's it something unique. You know, it's like instead of hauling everything in and out of your vehicle, the you would do your demonstration in the home, and then the customers would come out, go into the mobile boutique, do the ordering there, and blah blah blah. You know, all that stuff. But you're talking at least fifty thousand. Yeah. It's a huge investment. There were a lot of girls that had them in LuLaRoe. They were called Lula buses <laughs> or a Lula trailer or something like that. Yeah. And it was the same exact thing, like gutted. They'd get toy haulers and gut them out and have them fitted with racks and a dressing room and like mirrors and all kinds of stuff. Little chandeliers, carpet. It was insane. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how, do, how are they adding that into into like their like well first of all are they have they created a PL statement do they know what PL is and if they do like are they adding those types of things into the into their expense columns in order to figure out have you even gotten into the black yet probably not yeah and probably not because once they start to see a little bit of black the MLM comes around and goes wait a second did you hear that we have this whole new thing coming out and you have to reinvest into your business? And they go, okay. And then they go right back into the red and they're indebted to the MLM again and they are stuck again and they have to stay. It's crazy. Cause I remember I, and I was there when, when they started doing like the incentive trips, you know, it's like where you have to get, you know, of course it's a sales and it's a recruiting um, contest. And I, I know I know of someone that put $20,000 on a credit card just to qualify for the incentive trip. And I'm like, what, what are they thinking? Because the trip, if you would have paid for the trip, it might have cost three or 4,000 for you to right. the same trip. And so that's, that's the one thing that you need to do to be friends with them. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's really sad, but you know, and a lot of those friends, cause here, here, uh, what started here, this was another thing that got me out of the whole thing was, and it, it all comes down to the money. The prices of products were going up, but the size of the bottle was getting smaller. So it's like they, they shrunk the size of the product, but they increased the price of it. And then they, yeah. And then they started changing compensation plans and all this and I'm like my god you know they're 350 million dollar 
a year company there. I'm sure that they're much more than that by now, but it's like, how much is enough? You know, like they started doing, instead of going to like some of these really, really fancy international destinations, all of a sudden these trips were at Patty's house down in Naples. And it's like, okay, which is a beautiful home. Don't get me wrong. Gorgeous. And it's, it's lovely. But why aren't we going to P. Diddy's house down in uh, St. Martin anymore? Like, why, how come we're not going down there? You know, <laughs> you know, LuLaRoe does that too. They used to have these like coach retreats. And I remember there was one here in San Diego at the Hotel Dell. There was one in Arizona and I would always see these things and I was very close to getting it. So I was, I was always like super excited, like, where will my coach retreat be at? And then I quit before that ever happened. And Mark and Deanne bought a ranch in Wyoming. And now instead of doing these things all over, everybody just goes to the ranch. I think it's a giant tax write-off. Yeah. It's just a second house that they can claim as a business expense, which is probably exactly what's happening in pure romance too. A huge monstrosity of a home that no single person really needs to live in. That's just opulent and over the top. And it's a giant tax shelter tax write-off for the company that just as long as you invite a couple people down every so often, we can continue to keep this up. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. Cause I'm like, oh, I put that two and two together very quickly, but yeah, I mean, which, like I said, it's a beautiful home and stuff, but it's like the, the trips were, were starting to change. And, and one of the things that they started to do since there was a big change in the compensation plan, a lot of the, a lot of the leaders that were at that point, they were not buying the kits right off the bat. Like they were just trying to recruit without having to buy the kits. Um, so they were like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and get a second side hustle. You know, I'm going to go ahead and do the, it works, or I'm going to do, uh, you know, an oil or I'm going to do a whatever. So they were going to, they were signing up with a second MLM in hopes that they would go up the ranks very quickly with this other one, because they had a, you know, a better compensation plan. And if I can take some of my people from Pure Romance over to this, like I could grow really quickly. And some of them did, but once corporate found out, cause you know, all of us had a little spies all over the place, then Pure Romance had a reason to terminate them. So there was terminations going left and right all over the place. And people were just like, I mean, it was, like a mass exodus. It was really kind of crazy. And I was watching this going, wait a minute, like what, where did this person go? How come they're not there anymore? And it was like the, the only people that would stay in the, um, in the spotlight, I guess you could say, like at the com conferences and stuff where they were up on stage and they were really talked about and they were on, cause they would do these streaming, like TV show streaming type things and stuff like once a week or once a month or something. And they would have these interviews and all this other kind of stuff going on. And it was like, it was always the people that were, you know, at the top at that time. And I'm telling you, if you didn't, and you would rotate out very quickly. You weren't at the top. You weren't in the spotlight for very long. No, because it's a dopamine hit and everybody wants to be in the spotlight. So they have to constantly be cycling through because that's what people want to achieve, right? Like that's the ultimate dopamine hit is to be on 
like the company propaganda being paraded around as successful? Oh my God, you got it. Because it became a contest, not only with the consultants and corporate, you know, for the, for the company, it became a contest between the consultants, between the leaders. So it was like, who can give out the biggest gifts? Because we actually, it was, it was basically, it wasn't in writing, but they basically mandated to the leaders, you need to spend X amount of percentage of your overrides, have to go to your downline. Like you have to do this. You have to spend money on doing gifts, recognition, which that should be from the company. I understand where they're saying it, but it's wild. That happened in LuLaRoe too, but they would use it to their advantage to get people to buy more inventory. So they would have like a Louis bag or something. And they're like, oh my God, we have this Louis bag and we're going to do this competition. The person that like buys the most inventory in the month of September or like the team, right? Like whatever team has the most inventory, the highest number, look at this purse. So then you're just like, buy more. Oh, so-and-so just bought more. We got to buy more. So-and-so just bought more. We got to buy. And it was a frenzy. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you that those, those people, their bonus checks for creating that FOMO frenzy competition they could have bought a thousand Louis purses with the check that they got for creating that frenzy. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And it's funny because you did, you hit it right on the head. It was who had the most inventory, not who had the most sales, who had the most, who has the biggest group volume, which team is the rockstar team this month. And you're thinking we're a rock star. And really what it is, is we're the stupid ones that bought the most crap. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I think if, if there was anything that I, if I wanted to tell like a, like a a current pyromance consultant that, that things like what I'm saying is like total baloney is like really figure out how much your party was deduct your cost, not your discount, right? Your discount is what you, you know what I mean? Like that's your, that's your discount. That's not how much you paid in. <laughs> All right. So deduct your cost, deduct your host, whatever you gave as a hostess gift, deduct the, your hostess credit and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and anything else that you might've done, like if you helped bring food or you had wine there or anything like that, you have to deduct that too. How much did it cost to have this party? The gas to get to the party. I mean, we could put that in there as well because you wouldn't have been driving tonight had you not been having a party so that couple bucks in gas and in california gas is like five almost five dollars a gallon so it's not cheap no it's it's not and and then and plus you may have also given them an incentive to even book the party in the first place so that that again that is that comes out of the consultant's money not yeah and any giveaways or games you would have played during the party comes out too. They're probably not factoring those things in either. Oh, I'm sure that they're not. I'm sure they're not because it's just, you know, to it's such like a frenzy when you're there. It's like, but if they did that and they actually figured out how much that they actually made, the percentage that they're making is probably closer to 18%. And they, even though the dollar amount if you break it down, like I know a lot of times they'll say that, oh, a party is, is 
you know, in three hours or four hours or whatever, like you can actually look for, uh, I, I saw it earlier, I saw an image where it was saying how you could make, I think it was like $23,000 a year if you did three parties, three parties a week, right? And I'm looking at that and I'm like, but that's not true because they were estimating the parties to be $500 on average, $500. And at a 30% discount, it was coming out to like $150 per party. So they were saying, so for three parties, it was like $450. And then, so they were doing $450 times, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but that's not true because they didn't factor in the hostess credits and the hostess gifts or any incentives, any game gifts or anything out of that 150. So it's so misleading. And if you want to look at it like, oh, even if, even if you had a great party and you figured it out that, well, I made $50 an hour, great. That is awesome. Is that sustainable? Are you doing that eight hours to make a livable wage? If, are you even doing it for four hours? Like, are you making that $50 four hours every single day, every single week, like you would a real job? Probably not. No, probably I, not. No, like I, at my height, I was doing eight parties a week because I would have one every single day and two on Saturday. So I was hustling. Yeah, because anytime that I wasn't hustling to to do parties or do my business, which when you're when you're breaking down your parties, you're you're not fact. Most people are not factoring the drive time. They're not factoring in setup. They're not factoring in the ridiculously long um, ordering room, the pack, you know, packing everything back up, hauling the stuff back into your vehicle. I mean, a, a three hour party is really closer to more like a five hour party. That's five, four and a half is more accurate. Yeah, you start your party timer the second you put the first piece of inventory in your car to pack it. That's when you start your hourly time of how long it takes you to have a party. And then you end it when you take that last piece of inventory back out of your car at the end of the night. And, you know, that two hour party you had is probably closer to like you're saying like four or five, six hours. I remember LuLaRoe parties would be like six hours the whole entire day. And I really only we were really only selling for like an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it, it, it's exhausting. It's, it really is exhausting. I remember, you know, after, after, cause my demonstration was very, it was, it's just very happy. I mean, we're talking about something that a lot of people are very uncomfortable with. So you, you want to help them to relax. So you are funny. You are a little bit of a stand-up comedian. And someone that is, for in my case, I mean, I was knowledgeable about the body. You know, I was, I mean, I have a bachelor of science degree in biology. You know, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I know the human body. I know how it functions. I know these things, you know. So, I mean, I was one of the very few that had a higher degree. Some of them have a higher degree than I do. But the majority of them, you know, they're, they're looking for something different aside from being at home with their kids. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I applaud them. 
because being a housewife and a mother, those are the hardest jobs. I mean, they're the hardest job. So, um, you know, I, I don't blame them for, for looking for something that is just, you know, something for them. And I was in, in, before I met my husband, I was in pure romance and my boyfriend was actually abusive to me because again, it was the impression that I was getting so rewarded with tens of thousands of dollars worth of this, that, and the other. And he worked in a hospital in a heart ward and he made, he made less than what it appeared that I did. So he started taking it out on me that, you know, like all you do is sling dildos and talk about sex all day long and you get this. I'm in the hospital saving people's lives and I don't get half of that. I <laughs> It's very misogynistic and like toxic. Oh yeah, well obviously that was that's an X. Oh, but it's just it's people's perception of of what you're actually making and I and I think that kind of goes along with the whole like, um, you know, Instagram feeds and what you're putting out on social media and what you're telling people, the kind of handbag that you're carrying and, and this, that, and the other. Yeah. We don't need like toxic MLMs to buy us the stuff we want. Like you can make your own money and buy your own prizes. You do not need a cult to be dangling in your face, trying to manipulate you into doing things that you probably don't want to do in order to get these prizes that really don't mean anything. Most people I talk to when I say, Hey, you know, how did it feel to get the thing? Oh, it felt so amazing. Where's the thing now? Ah, oh, in a box somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> they don't even care about it anymore. It's nothing. Right. Right. It's funny. Like, I mean, I, it, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, everyone has their, their own reason for doing this or, or for getting into it. And it's just, it's very enticing. You know, it's just very enticing. And the people, and I admit, I was one of them. I was a recruiting machine. I, I can tell you for sure that there are people that when it comes like when it comes to recruiting, and if someone says, and by the way, I taught this stuff too. Like I was a trainer. So I was teaching other consultants to do this type of thing. And I am so ashamed of it. I can't take it back. You know, there's nothing I can do about it now, but I'm just telling people when you hear certain things, I mean, it's, so for example, it would be like someone in your party would ask you, wow, you had so many people here. I bet you made a whole bunch of money. Like, I mean, like, how much did you make? I loved it when people asked me these leading questions and I would tell them that I made $2,000 or whatever. I didn't make 2000 or I might have had sales that equaled 2000, but that doesn't mean that I made that. That was not what I profited. That was not what I netted. So I can, I can tell you that most consultants will tell you what their sales were, but not what they actually netted. It's just a giant house of cards. Mm-hmm. And if you ask them, like, well, how much, like, 
is that your sales or was that what you made? They're all going to mislead you and tell you that's what they made. Right. They don't understand. And and because of that, it's very misleading and no one really ever corrects them. And even when they ask up, the upline still gives misinformation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I also know a tactic that a lot of, I'm sure that a lot of MLMers do this, but like they will post a picture of their override check or like their direct deposit. And they'll like, they'll put their finger over the dollar amount or something. And they will say, guess how much my bonus check was this month? Because what they're not understanding with social media, the more interaction back and forth that you have with that individual, the more you're gonna see from that individual. So when they say, you know, like, oh, I'll PM you or let me DM you this or that. I mean, it's all because they're trying to build up their personal algorithms with you personally. So it's just, it's another tactic, but you know, they'll, they'll show, uh, you know, and sometimes they will reveal like the actual number that's on the direct deposit or their override checks and stuff. And it's a big number. It's, I mean, if you're going to be bold enough to show it, you're going to have a really big number. It could be, you know, $20,000, $30,000 in one month, in one month, which that was, that's not uncommon for the higher ups, right? But that does not, that does not, it has no indication of how much money they put into it. Right. And it really is only indicative of like a half of a percent even make that kind of money at all. A half of a percent of people in these organizations. Yeah. Pure Romance actually does have an income disclosure statement on their website, but you have to dig for it. You have to look and dig for it. And uh, in fact, I was trying to get into it today and it kept giving me an error message, but you know, I'm a persistent person. So I kept going at it and it, I think it was like five times it finally popped up. So I'm like, ah, Okay. And what's curious about their income disclosure statement, they actually show the inactive consultants at 33.4%. They record on their income disclosure statement, 33.4% of their inactive consultants. Does that make, I don't, I don't understand why they would even put that in there. Well, because these numbers are very damning. And they like to say, well, you know, some people just join for the discount. And so they like to put those inactive numbers in there so they can sort of pad it and be like, those are people that just joined for the discount and they're just not active. They're not trying. It's, yeah, the, the whole thing is just stinky. It's just, yeah, it's very stinky. I, I have watched that company go from a very small group of people that became very close quote unquote friends to this humongous beast that seems to be just getting greedier and greedier and greedier. You know, it was, I think we touched about where it's very family at the top where it is, you know, a lot of nepotism. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, the daughter is, you know, Patty's daughter, I don't think she, she hasn't been a consultant for many years. She used to be like a long, long, long time ago. Um, I don't think she's been a consultant for a long time, but you know, all of her sons at one point were involved in the business. I just pulled up their income disclosure and um, 
the median partner average earnings, the median average earnings for 2020, $111 for the whole year. Like the whole year. Yeah. And I bet you they put thousands of dollars into it so that really doesn't tell the whole truth either, I'm sure. Even at a partner, which is the biggest percentage at 54.2%, $12 average override <laughs> and a $351 average earning. And I want to say their minimum, like, you know, how most, most companies will have a minimum that you have to do every month. I want to say that their minimum, I don't know what it is nowadays. Cause they, that's another thing that changes frequently. It was uh, like 50 or a hundred dollars a month. So for them to get a $12 oh, so for them to get a $12 override, they had to spend like at least 50, at least, because I can't imagine that it went down. Maybe it has. I mean, but... if you're saying they've got to spend $50 a month, that's $600. They're only making 351. So they're already losing. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot. I... Like, like just a little I... over half. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, man. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. It is, it is very wild. It is very wild. And it's, um, it's, you just, any kind of MLM, you know, you just really have to know what questions to ask. And I mean, I don't, I don't recommend getting in them anyway, because they all run very similarly. It's just, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's just, I, I think it's just, there, there are times that it, it just kind of leaves you speechless sometimes. Absolutely. So at the end of these, I like to ask the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? One word that encompasses how you feel about MLM, Michelle. Scam. <laughs> they're, they're all scams. A warning to somebody who wants to join an MLM. Find something else. Yeah, it's. They're, they're, you're going to lose money. Just find, find something else that will actually make you money. Worst MLM in your opinion? They're all bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I really can't put one company on the spot. I, I think that they're all bad. Hardest lesson that you learned while in MLM? Um, for me, the hardest lesson was realizing I really wasn't making the money I thought I was making. That was probably a really hard lesson. To learn. It was, it was very hard because I honestly, I thought that I was, you know, doing so great and I was, but it wasn't the case that, and that my friends were not really my friends. And then lastly, a positive takeaway from your time in MLM. Um, I think that's a hard, it's <laughs> a hard one, but I think for me um, would be that I have overcome a lot of my shyness. I'm still very shy, but I think that was probably the most positive thing was I learned to get up and speak in front of people. So like, I have no problems. Like most people fear, you know, public speaking. I, I'm good with it. That's a good one. That's public speaking is really hard. I've always really enjoyed it. 
But I know a lot of people said that being an MLM just allowed them to have the courage to approach people and to step outside of their comfort zone. And I think that's a great answer. Yeah, that, that would be it. Cause I, I mean, I, I am still shy, just not as, you know, very, very shy. Like it was like, I would, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, for corroborating stories, for sharing your own, for giving us even more tea into this crazy cult called pure romance. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy that you are doing this service for everybody. I really wish anybody that is even considering any kind of MLM, that they just take a moment to listen to even one of your podcasts and really look at things with a critical eye and don't just take the person that's trying to recruit you. Don't just take their word for it. Really look at it or have someone else that you really trust. Take a look at it. I absolutely agree. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti-MLM friends as well. See you next time.